If Christ is king, how should the Christian consider the kingdoms of this world? What does the Bible teach us about human authority and what it means to love our neighbors and our enemies? Before we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, let's know what it means to render unto God what is God's. This is the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, the modern prophetic voice against war and empire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute and part of the Christians for Liberty Podcast Network. This week and every week on Biblical Anarchy, we seek to live counterculture to the empire of man and to instead seek the kingdom of God by unpacking what the Bible teaches about government, authority, and human relationships. I am your host, Jacob Daniel Winograd. So, we are continuing with the run of Freedom Fest interviews. So we got a lot of conversations that we had those couple of days there at Freedom Fest. And it was really good to interact with a lot of different voices in the liberty movement. So for today's episode, you're going to hear the conversation that I had with Spike Cohen. Spike Cohen is the founder of the political pack You Are the Power and is a former candidate for vice president of the United States for the Libertarian Party back in the 2020 election and frequently featured on Fox News and other popular podcasts and news shows. Spike and I have talked before on my old podcast, the Daniel 3 podcast, and I'll have links for those in the show notes because we had some really good conversations Back then, this was a little bit on the shorter side because, again, it was in person at Freedom Fest. But Spike has a unique insight and ability to delineate and dive into complex topics and make good sense of them. And so I talked to Spike about a couple of different things. We talked about, I think nationalism was sort of the through line in our conversation, which I wanted to talk to him about because that was primarily what LCI was at Freedom Fest to focus on, was nationalism and Christian nationalism. And so we talked about the dangers of nationalism and where it goes too far, and specifically the problems with Christian nationalism. And then we also talked about where nationalism can sometimes be used as a force for good, like a bulwark against too much centralization or globalization and talked about the nationalist or independence movements that we see cropping up in different states, like in Texas and New Hampshire, Florida, even states like Hawaii. And, you know, the idea of independent communities or smaller areas having more sovereignty over themselves and not being ruled over by, you know, a small group of whiskered men who live you know, thousands of miles away. So Spike and I did a good job, I think, at covering a lot of different nuances and and moving pieces of these subjects in the short time that we talked. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I also wanted to take a moment before just to remind you that if you enjoy this show and you enjoy listening to conversations like this one, that it really does help a lot if you are able to go to biblicalanarchypodcast.com and click the donate link. You know, you could just make a one-time contribution or even sign up to make a monthly 
contribution and people who sign up to do monthly contributions to the show through the Libertarian Christian Institute get to be insiders and get to have special access to meetings and to behind the scenes things that are going on at LCI and with my podcast. And so if that's something that interests you, or if you just want to make, again, a small donation to help support the show, we always greatly appreciate it. We are a nonprofit. And so we rely on the contributions of listeners like you. And always, of course, even if you can't make a donation, if you're able to like this podcast, wherever you're watching at, leaving a review and sharing the episodes that you like with your friends, family, and on social media. We also greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, so enough of that. Please enjoy this conversation with Spike Cohen. Hello, everyone. I am Jacob Winograd here with the Libertarian Christian Institute in Memphis, Tennessee for Freedom Fest 2023. And I am joined by the one and only Spike Cohen. Spike, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's great to be on again. Yeah, it's cool. good to have you here. So, Spike... We're here, Libertarian Christian Institute, this whole week, and we talked this morning about nationalism. We have a session later today about Christian nationalism. Yep. And I thought while I have you here, we talk a little bit about those subjects. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on nationalism, just kind of broadly speaking? And there does seem to be sort of a rising of nationalism, not just here in America, but it seems to be kind of a global phenomenon. And we had yeah. things like Brexit. You have the Texit group here. I don't know if you've seen them. Oh, yeah, I yeah, have. Yeah. Yep. And, National uh, Divorce, yeah. Right, exactly. So the conversation in the sort of like political sphere all over the place does seem to be converging around issues of globalism, nationalism, yeah, yeah. you know, peaceful separation or not. So what are your thoughts on nationalism? Is it good, bad? Is it more complicated than that? It's definitely complicated because nationalism is a very, very broad term. I tend to put them into one of two camps. You have nationalism that is attempting to centralize power and government more than it currently is in the status quo. And then you have versions of nationalism that are trying to decentralize. So, for example, if you've got old school American populist civic nationalism, they're trying to centralize more power into the federal government and have a more nationalistic government that way. If you look at Texit or any of the state exits. Or I've the, heard of Flexit. That's Florida. Flexit. I like yeah, that. I like Flexit. That. <laughs> uh, if you look at black nationalism, if you look at certain versions of nationalism, they're actually talking about decentralizing the current power structure and allowing for there to be more, not necessarily individual autonomy, but individual community autonomy, whether it's state-based or ethnic-based or something like that, and to have a more decentralized way of governance. As someone who wants to decentralize all the way down to the individual, I tend to empathize with any movement that is trying to decentralize from the status quo. So typically that kind of nationalism, I tend to be sympathetic for. Yeah, that makes sense. This morning when um, so our founder, Norman Horn, was doing the panel with Brian Kaplan and Rich Lowry, Rich said something which reminds me of what you said. He was like, well, all I mean by nationalism is that Poles should govern Poles and the Brits should govern the Brits and right. Americans should govern the Americans. But then I immediately turned to my colleague, Kerry Baldwin, and was like, okay, but like, why stop there? Like, Pennsylvanians should govern yeah. Pennsylvanians. And why can't I govern myself? Why yes. can't we go the whole way there? Exactly. So I, I guess my thoughts are that nationalism, if it's a means yeah. towards something, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I think maybe part of the problem is that there are some people who view nationalism as an end or a good in and of itself. In and of itself. Which I think that might be where it goes off the rails. And that's the problem. So we'll even see in the, in the I guess, nation-based 
civic nationalism, there is an element of good there in that they're trying to break up this growing global government that we see. They want a much more multipolar world where you have individual nations governing themselves. But the problem is they also do away with decentralization, things like free trade. They want national trade as right. opposed to allowing individuals. Free trade is really just allowing individuals to make trade choices as much as possible, right? Not We're not talking about compelled trade or anything like that. We're talking about just letting you buy things and sell things to and from wherever you want to buy and sell things to and from. So there's elements of good and bad even in that. But when you see like a Texit, when you see like a lot of these movements that are saying we need to decentralize even further, not just Americans governing Americans, but Texans governing Texans. And I'm with you. I live in South Carolina. I love South Carolinians governing South Carolinians. I'd like Ori Countyans governing Ori Countyans. I'd prefer Myrtle Beachians governing Myrtle Beachians. And really, I'd rather just be governing myself and making decisions for myself and my family and my household and working voluntarily with people in my community to have the kind of community and neighborhood that we want. Yeah. So what do we do when we're both ANCAPs here? And this is a problem we were actually discussing back at our hotel last night, me and all the rest of the LCI people here. Yeah. Because we were talking about the American Revolution and how each of the 13 colonies, you know, set representatives, and then they decided to join in that Declaration of Independence. And yes. I, I definitely affirm, like, the spirit of declaring independence from a forward nation. Yep. But then it's like, all right, it gets messy, and anything that's not, you know, in line with just strict anarcho-capitalism tends to be messy somewhere. And in right, because it's not consistent. They're talking about freedom, but then appealing to statism at some point. Right, and it's also, there's the collectivizing of, like, we are speaking for everyone in this particular border. Yes, it's like, yeah. I'm sure that there were people in each one of those 13 colonies who didn't want to secede from Britain. I'm yeah. sure that there are people in Texas who don't, or in Texas, yeah, in Texas who don't want to, <laughs> everyone in Texas wants to secede yeah. from the Union, but everyone but in, in the Texas, state of Texas, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and I think there are some libertarians who, although I disagree with them, and I would imagine you do too, to steal me on their concern, it's that, well, if we're using nationalism or promoting decentralization to the sort of like multipolar world, and that leads to some sort of either actual or functional secession, isn't that infringing upon certain liberties of the people in those smaller groups who didn't right. want to be part of that separation? Right, so if we're talking just about the violating someone else's desire to remain part of a bigger union, they don't actually have that right. They hmm. have that right to want that, right. but if they don't have a right to say, we all need to stay in this, including you, right? Yes. But at the same time, saying, no, we need to have this new union of just us here in this arbitrarily defined boundary of Texas, well, they are also forcing us into a type of association that we haven't necessarily signed up for. So we have two competing groups of people trying to force us into something we might not like. And so you kind of, unfortunately, have to look at, well, which one is advocating for more net infringement on me? Well, in that situation, the one saying we need to remain part of this much larger national system, obviously they're advocating for much more infringement than the Texit people, right, in that yes. situation. But then if there were yet a third person saying, no, we should have it just in from county to county nations, you know, we're going to have... I don't know, Dallas, Fort Worth, Dixit, or something like that, and we're gonna just remain you know, our own nation within that, well, that's also they're advocating for forcing me in, into an association that I may or may not want. But again, it is a net less of an infringement than the larger centralizations that are being pushed for by the Texas people and by the national people. If we're talking about 
why they want to do this, that's a whole other discussion. So for example, there was already a secession movement in this country, and that was during the Civil War, mm -hmm. and you had the Confederated States that seceded. Now, I believe that they should have had that right to secede and that it shouldn't have led to war, but we have to be clear, they weren't doing it to maximize liberty, they were doing it because the federal government was breaking up their ownership of other human beings as property, and they didn't like that. Right. In fact, they weren't even doing it. They were threatening to do it, and, right. they, and they preempted them and said, no, we need to be able to own people. Well, actually, Lincoln was promising he wouldn't do it, and they just didn't believe they him. they just stayed in, and <laughs> yeah. they didn't believe him. Exactly, exactly. And so the point of that is, okay, great, they were trying to decentralize power, but for the people who were having the continued ownership of them in the brutal system of chattel slavery, I'm sure they didn't see that as a net increase in freedom. So it is a really complicated and sticky thing, which is why the only people that are consistent are us. We want to decentralized power to the individual and let you make decisions voluntarily with others on the kind of world you want to live in. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the right way to look at it. And the motivations of these efforts, I think, are always where we have to focus. Because if the direction is in trying to advance liberty, then I would tend to support those movements. Yeah. But then you have, so like, I just read a book called The Case for Christian Nationalism by yeah. Stephen Wolf, and there's a growing number of people in the Christian world who are promoting this idea of Christian nationalism. Yeah. And now some of them want different things. Some of them just want like essentially like an Amish separation 2.0. Right, exactly. Like we want to yep. have yep. our small little Christian communities and we don't want to be told what to do by democratic governors or democratic presidents or yep. democratic congress or etc. Right. Right. We, we want to be able to live according to our values. And, and it's like, okay, I don't know if I would like calling that Christian nationalism. And that's the but, problem, yeah. But, but but, yeah. but what you're aiming at isn't necessarily problematic. But then you have people like Stephen Wolf who go, no, um, the whole nat nation, needs, the whole to be, nation yep, yep. needs to be subordinate. To, and, and nationalism is, I guess, maybe in some sense, natural in terms of, yes, we live in a society, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> and people do tend to want to congregate into groups. I mean, we're here at Freedom Fest. This is a group of people who are voluntarily chosen voluntarily, to hang out. Yeah, right, yeah. but it's that voluntary part that's very, exactly. very, very key exactly. there. If um, someone stood up right yeah. now and said, I propose a freedom nationalism, you now all have to live under my rule for freedom. And we'll make democratic decisions, of course. We'll create a, a freedom congress. Well, no one in here agreed to that. Right? right Now, some people might say, you know what, that sounds better than what we got going right now. But the other people may not even give their opinion. They might leave for the exits when they hear about it, right? So the thing is, both examples of Christian nationalism that you gave are forms of nationalism. And that's the problem is it's kind of a catch-all term. Anyone trying to form a nation of some kind, it's a type of nationalism. But yes, if we're talking like a, you know, a Amish 2.0 separatism type of thing with much more autonomy, I'm almost certainly going to be 100% behind that as long as they're allowing people to opt out of it and to be able yeah. to decide if they want to remain a part of it and so forth. Absolutely, you can live your life that way if you want to. I think that's ideal for them, right? And it, it takes away their inclination to try to force it on me because I'm letting them live how they want and they're gonna let me live how I want. If we're talking this entire country has to live by my perception of what Christian values should be and we're going to force it by fiat of law, no, obviously, I don't think even Christians should support that because there's certainly nothing in the Bible that calls for that, right? Right, and there's it's also just something fallacious in, I think, the Stephen Wolf-type Christian nationalist thinking because they'll justify nationalism on the grounds of, well, it's just natural for people to want to associate with people of common values. I think like, it's natural, <laughs> but then it'll be like, but we need to use the civil magistrate yes. to enforce and protect that. Well, hold on. If it's natural, if it's part of free market 
operations, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just by definition doesn't need force to make that happen. You know, your problem is not everyone wants to be a part of your Christian nation. It, exactly. They're <laughs> making a huge rhetorical leap there, right? right? Jacob, they're going, well, you know, people naturally want to be with like groups. And that's why we should definitely be forcing 350 million people with completely different belief systems, completely different demographics, completely different parts of the planet that they live on to all live under what I think they should. That's the same thing, right, Jacob? Like, I mean, right. that that's really what they're saying. And it's obviously very fallacious. I think that we should be looking to people. You said motives matter, and they do. What also matters is the expected outcome of what they're actually proposing, right? So if they're saying, we want more freedom, we want more autonomy, and then you look at what they're proposing, and it is a significant decentralization from the status quo that allows for that autonomy, yeah, we're probably going to agree with it. Even if the type of autonomy they're proposing is something that we wouldn't necessarily want. If a bunch of Muslims say we want to be able to secede and have our own little Muslim society that we have, yeah, you and I probably aren't going to want to be a part of that, right? But right. we certainly support their right to do that. Again, provided people are allowed to opt out and that it's a free and voluntary thing. Absolutely, go at it. That would be a great thing. I think that we should allow as much autonomy and decentralization as possible. Yeah. Now, another element of this I'd be curious to get your take on is... One of the things that Lowry brought up in the panel this morning was that, well, if we don't have this sort of like superordinate identity for people to, to unite around, that that leads to too much decentralization and people aren't, you're not going to have free trade. You're not going to have social cooperation. You're going to have bickering and warring and things like that yeah. because people are inherently tribal. And so his argument was sort of that we can use nationalism as a bulwark against excessive tribalism and it's like okay i see a little bit of what you're trying to say here yes. but i don't think nationalism is actually that sufficient bulwark i think what is the sufficient bulwark is actually just libertarianism is we all have a common not like citizenship but we have a common identity in the beliefs in yeah. the principles of non-aggression yeah. and in social cooperation. It's like, because it, he said, well, there's good and bad forms of nationalism. It's like, well, how do you determine what's good and what's bad? You need the higher level principles that you were making nationalism subordinate to. Cut out the middleman. Just let's try to make as many people as possible subordinate to the higher level principles. Exactly. The <laughs> argument for globalism is that when societies were more nationalistic, there was more war. There was more conflict. There hasn't been a war in Europe prior to the invasion of Ukraine for decades in our entire lives and those of most of our parents. There hadn't been a war there, right? And when the wars were happening was actually when they were more nationalistic. So yeah, that fails the sniff test. And again, it's a type of imposition. It's, well, we need to have this higher structure to keep us in line. When has that ever happened? We've always had war. I always thought when um, in the Bible there's a reference to when will the end times come? And it mm -hmm. says there will be pestilence and there will be poverty and there will be wars and rumors of wars. And that always felt kind of tongue in cheek to me because it was kind of like they were saying, you know, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> like when, just, when does that ever not be the case? like anytime, like ever. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I've yet to see this, any kind of national grouping that results in a reduction in tensions. And that makes sense because if the universal idea isn't the respect and deference to the individual, then ultimately we're forming groups and we're inevitably going to start e either intentionally or unintentionally othering other groups. 
and saying, well, you know, we are the noble people and they're the inferior people and, and our noble and just gods and their ridiculous superstitions. And, our, and meanwhile, you've got mirrored societies that hate each other, right? So no, I, I don't think that that's the way forward. And this is why I say a lot, you know, when people will say, well, what do you think the best way forward is for America? Do you think we, we stay in the status quo? Do you think we, we decentralize and really enforce the 10th Amendment? Do you think we should do a national divorce? I say, whatever we do, if we aren't building a culture of liberty, it's going to end poorly because people are still going to appeal to the state instead of to the the natural human respect that they have for individuals when we're talking about anything but politics. Right. So that's why it's not we are the power. It's, it's you, you are, are the, the power. power. Exactly. Right. Because and that is the problem with nationalism is that it is inherently collectivistic. Yes. And then you necessarily end up conflating rights and obligations and law yep. with collective a collectivist lens yep. and not an individualist lens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why my focus is on growing liberty by meeting people where they are and demonstrating the benefit of what we're proposing and contrasting it with the harm of the status quo and the harm of competing solutions that are being proposed, right? Like we have to start meeting people on a, not just an intellectual level. We're great at that. We're really good at yeah. that. That's why we got a lot of really intellectual people, a lot of very engineering-minded people, frankly, a lot of people on the spectrum, is because we're appealing to people who think in systems. They think in ideas. They think in solutions. Most people are walking around a giant ad hoc ball of emotional, you know, emotionalism and desire to relate to others, and we're not like that. But if we want to grow this movement and make it into a mainstream universal idea, or even just a mainstream idea, we have to meet people where they are on an emotional level and show them what, that we care, show them that we understand what's going on, and then that we can show them how our solutions work and we can invite them to join us. 100% agree. Spike, thanks for coming on and uh, sitting down talking with me. Tell people just once again where they can find you on You Are the Power and social media and Absolutely. all that. Absolutely. So it's easy to find me on all social media. If you look for Spike Cohen, you'll, you'll find me pretty easily. If you want to become a part of my organization, which is You Are the Power, we are, are building a movement of people fighting for freedom across the country. What am I saying? Across the planet. I actually right. just got back from <laughs> Australia and they're opening an Australian chapter of You Are the Power. So we're now worldwide, or at least in two places. Yeah. Um, if you want to be a part of that, go to youarethepower.net. And if you ever get lost, you ever can't find me, just go to the Facebook group of the ATF, uh, the Facebook page, <laughs> and look for their most recent post. And there you <laughs> shall find me as your North Star. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Spike, again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Jacob. The Biblical Anarchy Podcast is a part of the Christians for Liberty Network, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. If you love this podcast, it helps us reach more with a message of freedom when you rate and review us on your favorite podcast apps and share with others. If you want to support the production of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, please consider donating to the Libertarian Christian Institute at biblicalanarchypodcast.com, where you can also sign up to receive special announcements and resources related to biblical anarchy. Thanks for tuning in.